This is Ion Health, delving into your overall well-being with Arab Health on Dubai Eye 103.8. Great to have you with us. Hope you're having a wonderful day so far. It's Helen Farmer with you here on Dubai Eye 103.8. You are listening to Eye on Health, brought to you by Arab Health. And Philips Healthcare has been participating at this year's Arab Health event. As a leader in health technology, they've been showcasing some of the latest innovations. And joining us today is Dr. Samir Said, who leads the Connected Care and Healthcare Informatics at Philips. We are talking technology on today's episode of Eye on Health, brought to you by Arab Health here on Dubai Eye 103.8 with me, Helen Farmer. And Philips Healthcare has been participating in this year's event. As a leader in health technology, Philips is showcasing the company's latest innovations that have been designed, created to improve patient and healthcare professional experiences, communication um, and coordination being two of the big priorities. And joining us today is Dr. Samir Said, who leads the Connected Care and Healthcare Information at Philips. Doctor, thank you so much for being with us. Um, Well, Arab Health now uh, come to a close, but can you tell us about some of your big takeaways over the last few days? Because it's been an amazing opportunity for people to come together and and share ideas. What's got you excited? Actually, the first thing that got me excited was the fact uh, that we went back to meeting customers face-to-face. This was really uh, uh, a needed uh, development, to be honest, uh, we've been uh, we've been remote and online and virtual for uh, for, uh, for the, you know the largest uh, portion of last year and and, and the first the first uh, few months of this year. One thing that uh, we were very very keen to to bring to the uh, to to Arab Health was our vision on how healthcare should be. Uh, we have learned from the COVID uh, situation, the pandemic. Uh, the unfortunate uh, incidents and, and events that, that you know, came last year uh, taught us a lot. Taught us a lot on the resilience of the health system and how the health system needs to evolve. Taught us a lot in how people react to adversity and to, mm-hmm. you know, in time of duress, what are the things that people start to do, even if uh, those things were, were there before the pandemic. So one thing that we, 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 look, we, look, we look at is how technology, despite the fact that it existed before, has led to a, a kind of a, key, a leap of faith into the usage of this technology for remote care, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, healthcare has been lagging behind in terms of technology adoption, not because healthcare didn't want, but because uh, healthcare is set up as silos. You know that don't talk to each other. And my role at Philips is to ensure that there is this continuum of care regardless of where the patient is. So we talk about connected care, and we know that all the connected care will be powered by the power of technology, by software. So this is what I do at Philips. One thing that for me is extremely important is how to ensure that there is trust in the usage of this technology. How do we ensure that the patient has trust in the system? And how do we ensure that if the patient experience is improved, the caregiver experience is improved? Because we talk about how technology can help the systems and and all of the things. Uh, But we tend not to focus on the caregiver experience. This is extremely important. And we've seen it because in time of duress, as I told you, it all boils down to who you have as people. So for me, uh, the patient experience is really tied to the caregiver experience. Now, we know. 
uh, and it's a fact that there is a 13 million uh, uh, job shortage in the healthcare sector. You know, we have 13 million jobs that do not find uh, a taker, whether it's a nurse or, or a nurse or, or a doctor. Uh, so the use of technology is imposing itself on us. There is no way we can manage uh, this influx of new patients because chronic diseases will continue to rise. Mm -hmm. uh, people are still not very disciplined in terms of lifestyle, <laughs> it takes time. Uh, so, so every year you will have new patients adding up to the old patients because you know when you were diagnosed with diabetes uh, 30, 40 years ago, it was a disa disaster news. Now you, know, you will live with it 20, 30, 40 years, but you will consume a lot of health services. So it has mm -hmm. a cost. It, has, it puts a burden on the system. And same so with obesity view, as well, especially in this part of the world. Yeah. We think about those comorbidities. And it's quite strange in some ways to think about you know, people having babies and breaking ankles and, and having different diagnosis aside from COVID. And then we have you know, the number of COVID patients and long COVID, which we're still learning so much about, Correct. compounding that on top, on top of those you know, so-called day-to-day diagnosis and, and disease management and treatment. So as you say, we've got, we're going to end up with a huge deficit, really, which is where technology can come in, but only if it is, as you say, communicating and coordinated properly. Otherwise, it's pretty meaningless. And, and, and trusted. And we look at it from a continuum mm. of care, meaning that we look at the patient experience and the patient journey through different stages or different locations, you know, meaning the home, maybe the hospital, the primary care clinic. Uh, so we look at it from the whole continuum, lifestyle, prevention, diagnosis, treatment, and back to home. And when you look at those phases, uh, two of them absorb 80% of the health budget, which is the diagnosis and treatment. This is, this is the, the, the worldwide average. And therefore, we need to look at it from, you know, what, what is it if we reduce the burden from the hospital back to the home? And for me, I'm, I'm predicting that the home will become one of the health hubs going forward. And if the home becomes one of the health hub, you need to offer uh, technology and devices to do the, your remote monitoring. If I tell you that the patient after a discharge from, from, uh, from ICU need to, needs to spend you know, 30 days just being monitored in a hospital, it's a bed that is used by a patient that might not need to be there. Mm -hmm. so how, how, do we, how do we think about this patient going home but still continuously monitored in a system that you know sends information, sends data securely to the central platform and triggers alerts if something goes wrong. And therefore, kind of you, you can act on that rather than keeping someone in the hospital for, for, for a few weeks. The other thing or rather than keeping people, hundreds of people in hospital for a number of exactly. weeks where exactly. you need to have more doctors monitoring them on a face-to-face, case-by-case basis rather than it coming into pure data. And they can be in their own homes and we know we know how much some people really value that experience and often feel better and more comfortable for being in their, in their own homes. Um, so that's hugely valuable. And, and when, when you look at the, uh, what happened during the pandemic where some countries, I mean, I worked on a project and we delivered the project that has been actually uh, uh, put on, on social media yesterday, uh, where, for example, in Saudi Arabia, during the pandemic, the Minister of Health didn't want people to go to uh, outpatient visits because, you know, for fear of uh, infection. Mm -hmm. So what we did in a matter of six weeks, we put up a platform, which is, you know, what we call the virtual clinics. That is exactly what happens during a face-to-face -face, uh, encounter, but virtually, securely, 
you receive a link on your phone, you click on that link that is specific to you, that will only last for this visit, and then you know is, is no longer valid. And then you, ha you have your visit, and then you get your, your, your medicines delivered to your own home. So when you think about all those things that you know, can add up, you know, a routine visit for a diabetic person is 10 minutes, right? But he needs two hours to get to a hospital, waiting, you know, if he is lucky, half an hour. Uh, parking the car. Yeah, parking the car. And, you know, it's half day, half day gone, right? When, during the pandemic, for example, one of the key uh, area of clearly improvement was ICU. Okay, there, there is no country that has enough ICU beds, ICU nurses, ICU doctors, you know, it, it doesn't exist, right? Uh, so how do we ensure that, you know, during time of extreme stress, we can have this flexibility to extend our critical care capacity in a matter of hours, in a matter of days? So what we do, for example, in ICU, uh, a doctor takes care of 10 patients at a, at, at, at a time. You know, you, you cannot do more when you are an intensivist because it's, it's, really, uh, it's really draining, right? But what if there is a solution that actually monitors all those patients and puts those patients that are more at risk on a priority list so that you know, this doctor can look, look for, for those patients in priority? And why, what if instead of 10 patients at, at, uh, at a time, this intensivist can monitor 150 patients at a time? Because the system will constantly monitor all the, the data, the, 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 the medical lab uh, uh, respiratory uh, frequent, heart frequency data for uh, over 150 patients with one single doctor and one single nurse. And then this is, this is a, almost a quantum leap, talking in the technology term, in terms of what you can do and what you can save. And the system also has a pervasive artificial intelligence algorithm that can predict that this patient has 90% chances to have a major incident in the next 12 hours. So what if you can do something so that you know, this major incident doesn't happen because you're aware of it 12 hours before it happens? Yeah. It's, it's absolutely incredible. What I find interesting is how the pandemic has in some ways worked as a catalyst to you know, expedite some, some technologies that might have been happening absolutely. behind the scenes and solving problems that perhaps weren't a problem in, you know, 18 months ago and are now very, very real. And, and look, going back to what I was saying in terms of trust, uh, mm -hmm. I, I do believe one of the positive outcome, outcomes of the, of the pandemic is the fact that people are trust more the technology because a lot of people went remote, a lot of people went online. Uh, I went on, online for everything from groceries to all my deliveries for 12 months, you know, fully 100% online. So people have, you know, more trust in, you know, how, what we can do online and virtually. And people see, you know, the comfort of it. You know, if you don't have to go to a hospital with the risk of being infected or with the risk of, 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 of wasting time, you know, you can do it from your, the comfort of your own home. The other thing that I would, I would look at is how do we ensure that uh, more patients actually get care outside of the wall of a hospital? Mm -hmm. And then the hospital becomes a very streamlined, specialized health facility where all the routine things are done actually outside of it. And then, you know, you, you automatically add uh, beds without even adding a single physical bed because you're freeing capacity in your, in your existing uh, infrastructure. 
And from a patient point of view, it means that you're able to access doctors and expertise who might not be in your local hospital, but they can be sent your information and they can be monitoring you and you can effectively have the best in the business in some, in some cases that you wouldn't Absolutely. normally be able to, to be working with, Absolutely. which is incredible. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you, can, you can access you know, any doctor anywhere in the world uh, at the click of a mouse. The other thing, you know, I, 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 when, when you look at, you know, talking about the, the, the caregiver scarcity, for example, uh, when I was talking about this, uh, this intensive care solutions that we have, that we are implemented in several countries in the region, and we are doing that also in the UAE, uh, there is a scarcity of intensivists in the US. There is a scarcity of intensivists in Australia. So two teams, one in the US and one in Australia, using this exact same platform, the Philips EICU platform, where the doctors in the US, during daytime, they take care of the patients in Australia as well as in the US. And in nighttime, because you know, even intensivists need to sleep, in nighttime, the Australian doctors take over and, and manage the patient in Australia and in the US using the exact same platform. And guess That's what? Amazing. You're adding capacity without even looking for another additional doctor because you have more time to do things and for the doctors to actually provide the best care possible. So while, while you'd expect healthcare to be at the forefront, it has in some ways taken COVID-19 to ask it to, to hurry up um, and for people such as yourself to go, yes, we're ready. We just need the rest of the world to, to be ready as well. We're, we're absolutely ready and, and the technology is ready. Uh, the, the one thing that we, we still need a little bit of work on is how to connect all those things. And this is what I do. Mm -hmm. When, I, when mm -hmm. we say connected care, I look at the patient from, uh, I look at healthcare from the patient's perspective. I don't look at it from a solution or a product or even a company perspective. What is the outcome that I'm bringing? Or what is the promise that I'm bringing to the, to the, to the patient? And how do I ensure that you know, the patient journey and the patient experience is as, uh, I mean, it's, it's not pleasurable to be, to, be, uh, to, be, uh, to be going into that, but you know, let me use the word, you know, as, as seamless as possible. Yeah, frictionless. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when uh, th think of your dad, for example, you know, what if you know, he doesn't have to send those images uh, by, by mail, but you know, having just a nurse coming home and you know, using a, a, an ultrasound probe and sending live images to his doctor in the UK. Mm -hmm. What if you know, I, I, can, I can get into, into a consultation with the, the subject matter expert of my condition anywhere he is in the world, which I did, by the way. So for me, it's how do we ensure that this technology becomes pervasive and almost transparent and becomes almost a way of life. But mm -hmm. however, however, I always say, Technology only makes it possible. People make it happen. And this is where we need to, to have a little bit of work so that you know, everyone embraces this, this, this new way of doing things. And I do believe, I strongly believe that the pandemic has helped kind of speed up the, the, the adoption of those technologies. This is kind of the, whatever, the side effect of the pandemic. Uh, and for me, there is no return. You know, at, at this point in time, I do think that people, and patient will be more uh, demanding in terms of, you know, having access to, you know, online and virtual visits. Uh, caregivers will have a say on, you know, which technology they, they, they need to, adapt, to adopt so that, you know, they have more time spent with their patient. Uh, if a doctor spends 20, 30% of his time doing just admin tasks, which is the case today, uh, it's a waste of resources. Mm -hmm. If you have technology that, you know, for uh, uh, an MRI, you have an image that is taken 
and you know if there is an artifact or you moved or you 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 were breathing too much you know the images are too blurry and then we take another exam again what if there is technology that actually automatically recognizes when you are breathing so that you know, it takes images immediately so the first time is the first time right so for me it's all about you know how do we ensure that you know those technology become almost kind of uh, uh, the normal way of work of, of doctors but we need we need also to have this partnership between uh, the the industry like Philips the caregivers uh, patient associations uh, uh, scientific societies but also authorities because at a certain point someone needs to regulate that and mm -hmm. we, we understand for you for example uh, receiving your uh, medical data via email might not be the best way of receiving your medical data because you know it goes through you know probably non-secure networks so how do we ensure that we have secure networks to exchange those data and for me the ultimate goal is that at a certain point with the, the power of technology the power of the artificial intelligence and machine learning we will be able to create your digital twin when it comes to med your medical history and everything is stored securely somewhere where all your histo his medical history your family history your genome your your lab tests your images that you have taken are actually one single instance where every doctor that has to work with you has access immediately to that with the power of his expertise but also the power of artificial intelligence that could tell him what is your state of today but what is your expected future state so that you know you can take appropriate actions before some accident happens it's incredible the, the future it really is it's amazing what's happening now that we just don't know about and hopefully through events like Arab Health and people as yourself who are introducing technologies to the caregivers and building that trust we're, we're certainly not saying technologies can be the answer to everything sometimes it is about a kind look and building that trust but it's going to be really fascinating and long gone I hope are the days of me having to have you know files lying around on my kitchen table and here's to Absolutely. a digital twin <laughs> Dr. Say thank you so much for your time today I'm, I'm so pleased that Arab Health has left you feeling really energized and excited about the conversations the networking the people you've been speaking to and it's going to be brilliant to see some of these technologies coming into play over the coming months and years so thank you again really appreciate you your time you. absolutely fascinating to hear what's been discussed at this year's event and the conversations that are going to be started the relationships that will be continuing as a result of meeting thank you so much for joining us on the arab health eye on health show over the last few weeks and to all of the guests the doctors and those sharing their real life stories have been part of so many informative and innovative discussions i have learned so much i hope you have too and it's been brilliant to have you with us don't forget to catch up on any past episodes of eye on health you can go to the dubai eye website that's dubaieye1038.com wishing you a wonderful day ahead Eye on Health on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Arab Health, uniting the healthcare community through business and education.